Welcome to Choral Conversations. I'm Patrick Neese, and I'm here with William Baker of the William Baker Festival Singers here at the Jane Sullivan Choral Library at the Choral Foundation in Fairway, Kansas. And uh, Bill is here with me, and wow, there's some mega-wattage star power in the studio this morning. There is some mega-wattage star power in the studio this morning. We are welcoming Sir Andrew Davis, one of the world's greatest conductors, indeed one of the great musicians of our generation. And we are welcoming the star of our show for our event that's coming on in March of 2020, Ed Frazier Davis. We call Ed Frazier Davis Kansas City's composer, but we claim him ourselves. He is composer in residence for the Festival Singers and for the William Baker Choral Foundation. Um, Ed came to Kansas City to complete his doctoral studies at University of Missouri, Kansas City Conservatory of Music, and became a part of the Choral Foundation family. So on March 6th, in Hellsburg Hall, the Festival Singers will host a performance of Ed's music. And we will be joined by his father, Sir Andrew Davis, a 32-member uh, professional orchestra made up of largely members of the Kansas City Symphony, the William Jewell Concert Choir, under the direction of Dr. Anthony Maglione, and coloratura soprano, and another great friend of the Choral Foundation, Sarah Tannehill-Anderson. Wow, that's a lot. Uh, well, that's great. Well, welcome to both of you, Ed Frazier Davis and your father, Sir Andrew Davis. Thank it's you a very pleasure much. having you here. It's great to be here. Thank you. Likewise. You know, uh, Andrew, may I call you Andrew? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, for years, I was in classical radio, and we uh, played so many of your recordings over the years. And it's just a real honor to get to uh, meet you in person. Well, I'm really delighted to be here today. And I was just telling you how much I enjoy your mo one, of your, one of your more recent recordings, although you've been making a lot of them with Shondos lately. Yeah. But uh, the Messiah is really distinctive among all the Messiahs that are coming out. Yours is really, yours stands out. Well, as uh, I was just telling you a few minutes ago, we, um, when I premiered it in uh, Toronto, they put out a poster that said, Toronto's Mega Messiah, now with marimba. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's, it's colorful, but very respectful of the score. I mean, you know, right. uh, I, someone asked me to describe it, and I said, it's more Stravinsky than Stokowski. <laughs> <laughs> and it works too it really does work well and a lot of these other Shandos recordings you've been making have a a lot of them have seemed to have a strong choral component to them and so obviously choral music has been very important to you as I recall, didn't you do a recording of a Foray Requiem for Columbia many years ago? Many years ago. I, yeah. I recorded both the Foray and the Durufle Requiem. I remember the cover. It had this beautiful angel kind of floating downward. <laughs> just, you have more memory than I do. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, obviously, choral music has been very important to the Davis family. What was it like growing up in that great British choral tradition, Ed? Oh, it was just, I mean, it was transformative for me. Um, I mean, I, I always say to this day that my favorite composers are, you know, the guys like Herbert Howells and uh, and Benjamin Britten and uh, all those guys who really flourished in Anglican choral music. Because it's what I grew up with, I think, and it's really it's, it's such a special language, uh, and it, it definitely pervaded my my upbringing uh, for, for better or for worse. But I think mostly for better. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ed used to say Ed used to say the, the two pieces that made him a composer were the. Uh, Rachmaninoff All Night Vigil, the Vespers, mm, yeah. and Take Him Earth for Cherishing, this wonderful Howells motet oh. that he wrote for the for Kennedy's funeral. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah. Just transformative. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, Ed, one of the things that that and I and I will confess that as a as a conductor and as a conductor of an organization that has several choral ensembles, I probably get a submission in this office from a composer at least once a week. Sure. Um, I I got um, I got a box this week that had fifteen scores in it. So I sent a letter back to the gentleman. And I said, "Yes, I will look at every single one of them, and I will look at them carefully, and I will get back to you in fifteen to eighteen months." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there is an explosion of creativity in the world now, which is a good thing. And I think the maybe self-publishing, maybe the uh, explosion of ensembles, particularly in America, particularly in the Midwest, mm-hmm. has led to that. But and I have said this publicly and I've said this privately, the thing about your music that is appealing to me is it almost as if every single piece, every single idea is newly created. It is not... Um, formulaic. It, it, formulaic, yeah. <laughs> if, if somebody said, uh, well, tell me, give me um, the three characteristics of Ed Fraser Davis's uh, methodology, and I'm... So I struggle to do that <laughs> because he takes every text, he takes every idea, he takes every circumstance and creates it anew. And I think that's the key to your genius. Thank you. That's very kind of you. So um, tell me about this, how this works together. How does it feel? I'm, I'm sure you're uh, – not only is your son proud of you, Sir Andrew, the entire musical world is proud of you. Oh, but I am sure – well, you know, <laughs> what – <laughs> I'm a cowboy from the South. I'm going to say it like it is, and that's the way it is. But I know that you must be proud of your son and his creativity. And how does, how, from your standpoint, um, having worked with the greatest musicians in the world for the last two generations, how do, how do you feel about that? How does that... Uh... Well, I'm very excited about uh, this concert. Actually, I'm very excited about a concert that's, that's coming up in about... What, Month, three yeah. weeks, yeah, yeah, less than a month in, yeah. in Melbourne, in Australia, right? Which, um, as you, as you know, I've been the chief conductor of the Melbourne Symphony for seven years, right? And uh, this is the end of my tenure there in mm-hmm. that position. And uh, in in the last three weeks, I'm doing various things, including my Messiah, and, right, and a concert performance of Hansel and Gretel, which is oh, one of my nice. favorite operas. But the first week, we're doing a piece that Ed, Ed has written for the Melbourne Symphony Chorus and Orchestra, mm-hmm. and actually. This is the first time I'm going to be conducting one of your pieces. Well, for for an, uh, for an adult chorus, yes. There was the Stolen yeah. Child back in Toronto. That's right. Yes, of, co- of course. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's early, like Duh. you said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. that was a piece that... Oh, but this is a proper... This is a larger uh, yeah. endeavor. I yeah, no, absolutely. Everybody involved. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that um, in, 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 as I say, about a month. And then, of course, the concert in March is tremendously exciting. And I'm... I'm excited about the new piece that you're writing for it, but I'm mm-hmm. also excited to be doing the Seven Last Words because I think that's a very powerful piece. And again, I, I quite agree. I echo what you were saying earlier. The um, it's like th- there's no you can't make any assumptions what what Ed's music is going to sound like. You know, I mean, there's a clear style, there's a clear musical personality there, but he does treat every text with great freshness and uh, and that comes across so. well let's listen to an example of that and when we come back i want to find out how ed made it to kansas city 
Okay. But there's a story there, too. But what are we going to listen to first, Ed? Well, the first thing I have for you is my setting of those timeless words, Omanium Mysterium, the Christmas text in Latin that's been said many, many times. Um, yes, which I composed. This is actually my, the first piece that I composed for the Festival Singers back in December of 2016. Um, so, yes. Great. Anything you want to say about this piece? I will say that the very end of the piece uh, includes a rather um, interesting technique, which is overtone singing, which is where um, certain members of the choir sustain a fundamental pitch while they manipulate the overtones in their oral cavities to create a sort of, you know, a sort of washy, sort of starry, uh, atmospheric sound. Um, so, 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 so listen for that, <laughs> I would say.
Well, that was unusual, Ed. <laughs> really, I I don't know if many. Uh, Bill could probably answer this. I don't know if many contemporary composers use that uh, overtone technique. Well, this was my first experience with it, and it was it was really fun to learn because we we were having trouble. the The group was so um, stayed about it, you know, and they it, it trying to get into the spirit of it. So we finally told them in rehearsal, just in the back of your oral cavity, just saying Oreo and yes. sing it in different funny ways and, and very slowly. Oreo. Yeah. And and it worked like magic. Yeah. <laughs> and and I have to say and and this is I I think that that I could almost be asked sometime, well, what is your favorite setting of X text? And I said I don't know until Ed writes it. So <laughs> but the the old Magnum Mysterium and and as Ed said there's thousands of settings of it probably. Um but this is the one that I I have come to adore the most. That's very kind yeah. of you. You're I mean, listening yeah. to Choral Conversations with uh, myself, Patrick Neese, and William Baker of the William Baker Festival Singers, and two very special guests, Ed Frazier Davis and his father, the great Sir Andrew Davis. A pleasure having you both here. Andrew, you or uh, Ed, you don't have an American accent. How how did that happen? You know, I don't have a British accent. A Bri- uh, that's what yes, I meant. Yes, I, I knew what you meant. Yes, uh-huh. yes, well, I think I would if both my parents were British. But, as a, but of course, my mother is uh, John Rolandia, an American soprano from down south. So uh, <laughs> I sort of adapt to wherever I am. Whenever I visit family back in England for longer than a few days, it, it, it comes back, <laughs> whether I want it yes, to or not. Yes, that's true. It does. Yes, yes just, yeah. a, just a bit. And then I lose it coming back to the States within probably a few days, too. Edward, Ed was... Ten when we came to the states, yeah, and uh, so he started school, um, and he was nervous, you know. And he said, and he said to my wife, he said, um, "Mama, I'm I'm afraid they'll make fun of your my accent." And she said to him, "All the girls will love it." Oh, that's, <laughs> that's right. right. That's right. That's and, right. and he came home and he said, "Mama, you were right." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but then you know he he. <laughs> then his his way of speaking gradually transmogrified. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. How'd you make it to uh, Kansas City? Ed? Well, so I was applying for doctoral programs, as Bill said earlier, um, around the country, really. Um, mostly I was looking for places in warmer climes than Chicago, <laughs> because Chicago winters can be quite devilish. Um, right. So I had a few schools in mind, and I rounded out the list by looking for schools in cities that had really really great and robust choral scenes like I I, I I remember I included UT Austin in my list for conspirare and that whole scene down there and, and Kansas City for the choral and and, and Conterai and and indeed the, the choral foundation even though I, I yet to learn about it sadly but uh, I, I applied to all these places and um, I, you know I, I came for my interview uh, down at UMKC and I fell in love with the city almost immediately and uh, you know the and, and the school itself of course it was um, a wonderful experience for me. Um, yeah, and uh, so I, not to get a bit too uh, personal or a bit dark perhaps on this podcast, but I, I will say the reason, so I, I no longer at UMKC, and that's, you know, that, that, that's only because I had a bit of a mental health crisis, I'd say about, a, about, a, about two years ago, I, I had, had uh, almost took my own life, and, and, I, and I, I had to withdraw from, from the school, which obviously was, it, it ended up being the best thing for me, because I've, I've since been working, you know, freelance as a composer and a singer with I'd say some success um, so I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful for and I, I, don't, I don't regret anything that I've 
you know, um, uh, I've been through to get where I am today. But yeah, but UMKC was wonderful, and it still is an uh, amazing school. And I and I still keep in touch with the professors, and it's it's been a really, really great experience to be here because of that. Have yeah. you been happy with the winters in Kansas City? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was listening to him saying, I want to go somewhere with a more favorable climate right. yeah. than Chicago. Well, that is a few degrees. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's noticeable enough. Yeah. Well, I, th I think the thing about Chicago is that everything's sort of, uh, I mean, you know, the, the CTA sometimes doesn't even work because, yeah. <laughs> because it, it gets so cold, you know? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. We, we, we had a... There's less snow. That's the big thing, I think. Uh, yes. Well, uh, and we, we did have... Um, a record-setting low temperature, I think, in Chicago last January or yeah. February, which was minus, minus 29, wow. I think. I think the windchill wind was minus with, with, 40. With, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually in Toronto at the time, where it was all of two degrees warmer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now Toronto isn't very balmy, is it? Yeah, right. <laughs> so, Bill, how did you uh, meet Ed? Well, one of our, our board members and a longtime member of the Festival Singers, I think his wife's sister... Uh, sang with a group in the Quad Cities. That's correct, yeah. That Ed was a part of. And they had attended a concert visiting uh, her sister and heard one of Ed's pieces on the program and were just absolutely mesmerized by it. And we had a conversation at, at one point and said, There's a young man who we understand is coming to Kansas City. Uh, we heard one of his pieces on the program, and it was amazing, and you would love it. And I have a bit of a reputation for loving old music, and when somebody says, you will love this new piece, it's going to be good. <laughs> so um, they said we should arrange a, a meeting, and I think we met for coffee at my favorite coffee shop over in Prairie Village. And we and and Ed and I we talked about we talked really pretty openly mm -hmm. about composition and about creativity and and despite my affection for old music um, over the years the Choral Foundation has had a number of composer and resonance relationships uh, with Mark Gresham and with Doug Helvering mm -hmm. and they have been very uh, wonderful experiences and I. I think maybe it was a little Holy Spirit going because I said, Ed, I would like for you to be our composer in residence. And I made that decision just looking at three choral scores. And I think the other part of that Holy Spirit, shall we say, was that Ed said yes. <laughs> I was thrilled. Yeah. And one thing, one thing led to another, and it has, been, it has been one of the most beautiful relationships in the history of this organization. What you have brought, you know, we would love you and we would love all that you give to us as part of our musical family if you never wrote a note of music. Um, a great singer on top of everything else. Um, but the pieces that, that we have done and some of them we have struggled with sure. have, been, um, have been incredibly satisfying and um, inspiring sounds like just too cliche and weak a word. Uh, I like what you said earlier when you said transformative. Um, the uh, the O Magnum Mysterium, which was the first piece that you wrote for us, and we recorded it on our My Song is Love Unknown album. Um, and we performed it uh, for Norman McKenzie when That's he right. was here, uh, Robert Shaw's successor, and and we've had the privilege of singing it at all of our candlelight carols and cathedral concerts uh, since you wrote it. Um, it, is, it. It is a piece that sometimes during the holiday season when 
when everything is so frantic and hectic and nasty and the weather's bad and, <laughs> you know, it's just the angst level is very high. I play that piece in my mind oh. or I play it on the... I play it in the car with the recording, and I sure. and I feel like I feel like the peace has come again. That's wonderful. Well, the Alleluia, the Alleluia sings with truth. So. I appreciate it. Well, that's great. Well, when we come back, we want to talk about this concert in March. What you are going to be uh, performing, and um, and your thoughts on that, Sir Andrew. So, but what are we going to listen to right now? This next selection is a movement from my uh, Seven Last Words from the Cross, which is a larger twenty-two-ish minute piece that I composed uh, around Easter of two thousand eighteen, setting, of course, Christ's last words from the cross. Um, Another text that. Gets said a lot, or has been said. Sure, a lot. Uh, yes. Right. Not quite as uh, as far afield as the Omanium, perhaps, but uh, yes, quite right. quite frequently done. And this is the, um, I believe it's the, the fourth movement, which is entitled "Woman Mother." It's it's the setting of you know, "Woman, behold thy son." Um, and uh, yes, it's it's um, so so the, the, this piece is, is for is for choir and uh, and uh, chamber orchestra. What inspired you to write? This well, <laughs> I, I think I think part of it was just you know because there, there are some texts as a as a composer of mostly choral music that you just want to set one day uh, you know it's sort of sort of a bucket list as it were and uh, and for me th this was one of them and I think that just came from hearing so many more marvelous settings of it not the least of which is James McMillan's which I think is my absolute favorite yes. uh, and he's he's a composer who's influenced me greatly um, beyond this but. Uh, and yeah. a composer I also know quite well. Because Indeed, I've you've worked with him, yeah, oh. a few times. Yes, I, I, I did the premiere of, of his uh, marvelous piece, Quickening, Yes, which is for um, boys' choir and chamber organ. Does it sound a bit like Britain? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and and the Hilliard Ensemble, which mm -hmm. was the you know the group that oh, yes. The, yes. sang a lot of very fine male quartet, early, early, yes. um, male, and and full symphony orchestra and chorus, and it was that was quite interesting because we we um, we did it in the proms in London, and the piece was originally supposed to be twenty minutes long. Well, it turned out to be about 50. Yes. And so <laughs> the, the, the first performance, the, the program consisted of Macmillan qu quickening 50 minutes plus Bruckner's Seventh Symphony. Oh, my oh. goodness. Si 62 minutes. So oh. it, was a, <laughs> it, was a, it was a very wow. long evening. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Yeah. Well, let's listen to this excerpt. And again, it's from the Seven Last Words of Christ. And what which movement is this? I believe it's the fourth one. Okay. Yes. And mother. Yeah. Woman dot 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 mother dot dot dot.
That was beautiful, Ed. Uh, Very nice. Ed Frazier Davis is here along with his father, the great Sir Andrew Davis. I'm Patrick Neese and William Baker, the William Baker Festival Singers, is here for Choral Conversations. Bill, you have a huge concert coming up in March. Tell us about that. I think that the, the greatest thing about the concert in March is an opportunity for the community to embrace creativity and to embrace, embrace creativity with, the, um, with a group like the Festival Singers, which is comprised almost entirely of professional musicians who volunteer their gifts to this effort. Um, I think one of the region's finest collegiate choirs, and I think uh, Anthony Maglione is one of the, I think one of the great young conductors in our region and of our time. Uh, Sarah Tannehill Anderson is a, a brilliant performing artist, not only given of a, of a voice that is um, so compelling, but uh, a level of musicianship and interpretive uh, insight and maturity that has uh, been a great influence on me since I've known her, um, and set in one of America's finest concert halls. It's it's just a it's it's a coming together of so many wonderful things, and it is a celebration of the creativity of a brilliant young man, but it is also a celebration of the creativity of a city, a city that loves and supports and nurtures and sustains its expressive might, um, and Sir Andrew, your presence here gives us an opportunity to extend that beyond, you know, Kansas City. So, Ed, why don't you uh, tell us uh, your thoughts about the program as it, you know, the things that are on it, you know, the, what you've chosen for William Jewell, the festival singers, and for, the, for Sarah, and the, especially the new piece for Sarah. Of course, yes. Well, first off, I, I, I should just say that this concert, I'm, it is not quite set in yet. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm beyond flattered that you've... You, You've chosen me as your ambitious target for this, for this, this particular endeavor, um, but yeah. So, so um, repertoire-wise, uh, the concert will begin with a with a four-song a cappella set just by the festival singers, um, which I believe. Uh, that, so, so the, the opening piece is a, a is a setting of um, a Robert Herrick text uh, called "Music Thou Queen of Heaven," which is special to me because that piece actually is the one that that, that um, Amanda Kimbrough heard at that concert in, in, in Davenport, which is how, how we got in touch. So that's, it's got some history there. Uh, yeah, I'm just interrupting. And, yeah. And, and is it being done in the original key? It is. <laughs> because I remember you, you, you transposed it down a I half did. step for, for that first performance. Yeah, the first performance, we, we put it down into D, so there was a high uh, B flat at the end rather than C flat. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so that will be followed by uh, two settings of um, text from the a Song of Songs that, I've ri- that I have um that have been performed by the festival singers. None of them were written for the for the, the ensemble, but they've they've championed them, and I'm I'm very proud of them for that. Uh, one is, my beloved spoke and said unto me, "Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away," which is set for um, double choir. Well, it's 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 for ensemble plus quartet, much in the same way that uh, Benjamin Britten's "Hymn to the Virgin" is. Um, it, it, it's it's sort of a direct companion piece to that in a way. Uh, and the um, the quartet sings the text in English, while the ensemble sings in the the, the original Hebrew, a sort of a sort of uh, an echo, and it, they're much more sort of hushed and sort of uh, subdued, and they're in the background more. Uh, and then uh, a setting of "Set Me as a Seal Upon Your Heart," which I composed for my wedding. Uh, oh my God, th- that was so beautiful! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was three years ago. Um, yes, and um, the festival singers. 
gave the gave the second performance of that only about a but a, a month after the our, our wedding because our our wedding was in September and I believe our concert was in late October right. so so I got two quick performances there. Um, and then finally, a piece which is yet to be premiered as of this recording, but will be premiered uh, next week, right? Right, Ooh, that's right. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, which is a, 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 an arrangement of an African-American spiritual um, that I have done. And I feel very, I, I mean, I'm, I, I have mixed feelings, if I'm being perfectly honest, about being a white man setting an African-American spiritual. But I'm very proud of the, of, of the work, not only that I'm able to achieve in doing so um but also with the work that the singers have put into it and and their enthusiasm uh but anyway but 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 that piece is entitled swing down chariot uh and it's 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 not swing low sweet chariot it's, it's a similar um song and i I've, I've heard the two sort of you know used together uh in in performances but um yeah, it's 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 a rocking good time, and ends with the with the Sopranos singing a high C sharps. That's always fun. Oh right. my god! <laughs> yeah, they're hiding behind the door. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think maybe just one of them actually. Maybe right, maybe yeah. just Amy. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Amy. She's Verrato. she's on it. She is. Yeah. So that's the first set, and then we take a break, and the um the the the, the jewel choir comes on, and they sing a set of three. Um, First of which is a setting of Ubi Caritas that I wrote for Monday Thursday with my church choir in Kansas City here, uh, St. Andrew's Episcopal Church, um, uh, which is quite um, quite sweet and you know kind of sappy, but I I, I quite like it. <laughs> um, and then uh, what's next? Ubi Caritas. Oh yes, and then a, a setting of um, Emma Lazarus's iconic. Um, the new Colossus, the, the the sonnet on the Statue of Liberty, you know, give me your your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, um, which, which actually the which the, the jewel choir just sang uh, this past October um, up in St. Joseph, and they did a wonderful, wonderful job. Bill, you weren't kidding when you said they were one of the, the best ensembles around they're in, quite in the region. Fine. Yeah, they're, they're incredible, absolutely. And then finally, um, a setting, uh, an arrangement of "How Can I Keep from Singing" the the hymn for for, for choir and piano, which I, I composed for the National ACDA convention uh, two years ago, uh, which was it was it, it was sight read by a, a gathering of about three hundred or so uh, <laughs> conductors, you know. <laughs> so it was it was so that that one's not as challenging, I, I should say, but it's still it's still a fun piece, I think. Um, and then uh, both choirs combine uh, for for a performance of the Omnium Mysterium. Which I'll be conducting, which I'm quite looking forward to. And then there's an intermission, and then we bring on the big orchestral stuff with Sir Andrew. We have uh, so, and that's just two works, but they're both larger. Uh, the first one is the new piece I'm working on, which I'll talk a bit about. Um, it's a uh, it's a setting of a very interesting text. Um, I uh, so if I, if I can back up a little bit, um, when I was writing the piece for the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra. Um, I noted that the the performance of that concert was going to be on Saint Cecilia's Day, you know, the the twenty second of November, and so I, I thought, oh, how how auspicious is this? So I thought I should I should ask uh, a friend of mine uh, who is a a pretty talented poet. Uh, his name's Gregory Peoples, and some might know him best as the former soprano one for Chanticleer for, mm. for, for, for a few years. Yeah, and he lives in Chicago now. He's a good friend of mine. I asked him to write sort of a hymn to Saint Cecilia, as Auden did for Britain, uh, you know, and uh, and what he what he gave me was a, a very imaginative, very vivid, and, and well, I mean, really a, a wonderful poem, um, very 
kind of graphic, but 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 really exciting, and and, and I I really I, I like it a lot. But 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 it was not appropriate, I thought, for for the Melbourne concert. I mean, there was yeah, there, there was certain reference to the the part of the the, the legend of uh, Saint Cecilia, where um, eventually, when she was going to be put to death, she was they were going to decapitate her, and they didn't quite. It didn't quite work, so she was she right. walked around for three days, semi decapitated. Oh, yes, oh. praising wow. God. What's the pre- exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. and, yes, so it's I hate when that happens. <laughs> don't, don't we all? Yes, <laughs> yeah. But but anyway, so I and, uh, and I thought even even just despite the moments in that text of grandiosity, like there's there's this great reference to the uh, the whirling celestial cacophony of of of. Of dissonance elect, you know, that's really vivid, awesome stuff. Um, even despite those moments, it felt a bit too personal. It felt more like it was well, best suited for an art song rather than a sort of large choral um, composition. And so I thought it was just the, the, the greatest timing and greatest um, thing when, when Bill asked me to, to consider writing an, an orchestral art song for this concert. And I thought, okay, well, great. I've got a text set up already. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And because uh, I, you know, truth be told, when I was hearing, when I was reading the poem the first time through, I actually did hear a voice not, not unlike Sarah's in mm. my head when I was, you know, sort of reading through these various lines. And I thought, oh, this would be great for a nice soaring, you know, sort of shimmering like almost straight tone soprano line you know or, or something like that um so that's the text and th- and that is for um just for soprano and orchestra uh and sarah of course will be our soprano and i'm immensely looking forward to working with her in that capacity because we've we, we've we've sung together many times because I've, I've been in the kansas city chorale now for, for two seasons and uh, she was she's of course a longtime member of that group um yeah anything else about the piece i should say i guess that's probably the that one and then and then following that will be the seven last words from the cross um which i've I talked about uh, a little bit earlier but um uh, i i composed that piece as a companion to uh mozart's great mass in c which we performed at the the uh, kenneth babcock memorial concert um in 2018 um and uh it, um orchestrally or i guess um instrumentally the the Interesting thing about that piece, um, you know, about the Mozart and what, why I, I composed the, my piece the way I did is is that the, the orchestra we hired uh, or the orchestra that, that we use for the for the Mozart um, does not use uh, flutes or clarinets. So it was very. I, I thought, oh, that that would be a, a, a fun, I think, challenge, sort of orchestrationally, to write for, for for an ensemble without that sort of you know soft, higher, sort of more rounded top. Um, and it, you know, I, so we. With just double reads, it's it's quite jagged. I think sometimes, you know, the the, the texture is very sort of, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, well, it's, it makes you think of, for instance, the Stravinsky Mass, right? Which is, yes, which yes, is yes, just yes. double read, exactly. And, right, and brass. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. That's exactly right. So, so the seven last words is is scored for for that for for you know double winds minus flutes and, and clarinets and uh, with a s- small string section and. Uh, and the, the hymn Saint Cecilia will also feature the same orchestra, but with flutes and clarinets. Um, yeah, and and my dad will be uh, conducting both of those, and I'm <laughs> greatly looking forward to it. And not as much as I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> Bill, when is this concert again, and how can people get tickets? And we'll repeat this information at the end of the podcast too. Sure. The concert is Friday, March sixth, at eight o'clock p.m. in Hellsberg Hall of the Kaufman Center for the Performing Arts in downtown Kansas City. And tickets are available from the Kaufman Center 
K-A-U-F-F-M-A-M-Center.org. Great. Well, let's listen to one more piece, and then we'll come back and kind of wrap things up. But what's the, what do you have for us next? Sure. Well, this final piece is um, uh, I included it because it, it it features Strandrew on it. Um, this this piece is, is entitled the, "The Stolen Child," which is a setting for a children's choir and orchestra that I um, composed for, for the Toronto uh, Symphony Orchestra and, and, and children's chorus, sort of in celebration of of, of my dad's fortieth. Uh, Anniversary of, I believe, his first concert with with them, right? Or, yes. Or, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, so that was back in 2015, and uh, yeah, it features the wonderful TSO and Children's Chorus, which I believe you you you, you helped found, didn't you? Yeah. Well, the, 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 we were about to record uh, the complete Tchaikovsky uh, Nutcracker ballet, and of course, that at the end of the first part of the ballet, there's the the, the Snowflakes Waltz, which has children's voices in it, oh, and um, at that point, there was this wonderful lady who was uh, in the Toronto Mendelssohn Choir at the time who I knew worked with children, and, and and I asked her if she could get a group together, and she did, and then she said, well, let's just keep this thing going. So um, Yeah. Yeah. And, I'm glad and, you did. <laughs> yes, absolutely, and they're, yeah. they're a really wonderful group. I mean, the, the Chicago Chicago also has a wonderful children's chorus. Oh, yes. And, you know, they, they all have they all have beginners groups, and, I mean, they have about five different um, you know, um, groups that more than that, I think. Yeah, really. But, but yeah, yes, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Well, yes, you know more about that than I well, do. Not but, much, but <laughs> yeah. no, no. That, so really, it's it's one of the great children's choirs of North America. So, Andrew, what's the name of that group? The Toronto Children's Chorus. Okay, yeah. right. Okay, yeah. yeah. TCC, super. Yeah. Led yeah. by the wonderful Elise Bradley, whom I had the greatest time working with. Yeah. Yeah.
another beautiful piece. Uh, what's it like writing for a children's choir? Oh, uh, it's Ed? it's it's quite fun. I mean, you know, I I think the greatest thing about children's voices, well, about you know, children's singers, is that they're just so enthusiastic and they really throw themselves into it. Um, there's a there's a section toward the end of that piece that I didn't mention where. Um, where the, the the choir is divided into four parts, and each of those four parts has to perform the text a bit differently. You know, I I, I think as I recall, soprano ones sing it normally, soprano twos do a kind of Sprechstimme, you know, sort of just gestural sort of speak singing, uh, alto ones um, speak it just you know as if delivering a monologue, but in, in, in rhythm, and the alto twos whisper it. So it's kind of this sort of hushed because that's that, that that's part of the text where. Where the fairies are are are, are speaking to the to the child. This is the text by Yeats, by the way. I shouldn't have I should have mentioned that earlier too. Um, so it, and and they were just really excited about that, and they had they had the whole piece memorized, which I'm always I'm always blown away by. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it was uh, it was just a thrilling experience. So writing for them was a was a real treat, and writing for those kinds of voices is always wonderful too. You know, Sir Andrew, the, for, uh, hearing uh, Ed talk about that piece reminds me a little bit of the Starlight Express by Elgar. Mm. Didn't you record that? For oh, it? yes. Yes. Yeah. I was obsessed with that. Thing. I love that. <laughs> I'm so music. glad because oh. uh, it's a fascinating. It's a piece that uh, incidental music that Ed, uh, Elgar wrote for a play, and which should have happened in just before Christmas in 1914. But then the Germans... The, <laughs> The Zeppelins were bombing London at the time. And so it eventually happened a year later, and Elgar was invited to write the music for it. And it's um, a play based on a book by um, uh, Algernon Algernon Blackwood, who is only really known these days by the aficionados of Tales of the Supernatural Mm -hmm. ghost stories, which he was very good at. But um, anyway, this is a piece that... um, um, prisoner of Fairyland, right? Prisoner of Prisoner of Fairyland. That's right. right. Was that, has that ever been staged? Uh, that you're aware of? with the music? I think that'd be really uh, wonderful. Well, huh? I have to say, the play was written by somebody called uh, Violet Pern, who sentimentalised the piece in the most horrendous way, <laughs> and neither Elgar nor Blackwood were particularly comfortable with it. So it never had a su- great success. And what I did when I did my recording of it, as I, uh, I, I fashioned a text that included parts of the play because they're actually set by Elgar, um, uh, but also big chunks of the book. So um, yeah, it's wonderful the way you did that. Well, I, I love it because there's a sort of innocence about the oh, whole project that, oh, that I, yes. you know, it's it's sort of it's sort of hard for us to take these days in a way because it, it's we're all too far too sophisticated or something but actually mm. I love the naivety of it and, and, and the anyway that, yeah well Starlight <laughs> Express is just one of the many recordings you've been making with Shondos you've been on a real streak lately I love um a Crown of India, which I have never heard in its complete form before. <laughs> well, that was my first recording for wow. Chandos, actually. Oh, was it? Oh. And it's an oddity. <laughs> yeah, and Job, and uh, oh, yes. so many, many others. So congratulations Thank you. for all the recording you're doing of really lesser-known repertoire that deserves to be heard, like Starlight Express and uh, mm-hmm. uh, um, Crown of India. Mm-hmm. But so what else are you up to, uh, Sir Andrew? Well, interestingly enough, the next thing that I've, I've just worked on the f- the first edits of is um, 
the Second Symphony and the Violin Concerto by Eugene Goossens. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, we were talking about yeah. who was a very interesting composer. And the, both those pieces, the Violin Concerto really de- deserves to be heard because there was no really decent recording of it. And that you, you can hear the first performance from the proms, and it's sort of pretty <laughs> awful. <laughs> and the Second Symphony is a very powerful piece. It was written between like 1944 and 45, so in the last years of the of the war, and it has a lot of uh, kind of you feel that in the background. Mm. And there's a fantastic quote from the Turtle Dove in in the slow movement of the finale. You know, uh, oh, fare you well, I must be gone and leave you for a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that, that'll be out in the next few months, I oh, think. Wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. You know, uh, Sir Andrew, you, of course, have such a storied career all over the world. Uh, since Ed has been here in Kansas City, I'm sure you've gotten to know Kansas City a little bit. Well, a little is, is really the relative word because, you know, I've been here for very quick trips mostly haven't I really unfortunately yeah and he does come to Chicago from time to time so but my whole impression of the city is that it must be a really beautiful place to live I mean there's clearly a a a vibrant downtown and and I mean the little area that Ed lives in is is lovely I'd love to have a live in a house like that myself rather than an apartment <laughs> in Chicago. But, uh, <laughs> um, and, and, you know, of course, as we know, it has more fountains than any other city right. in North America. <laughs> yes, yes. So actually, I would, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to know the city a bit better. I leave the Lyric Opera of Chicago at the end of next season. It'll, that'll be 21 years, and I'll be 77, so I think I deserve a rest. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then I'll have more free time. Um, I keep working, of course, but probably about half the year. So uh, well, I'm, warning, I'm warning you, I'll be descending on you more. So. <laughs> well, that's, that's fine. Yeah. We can put you to work yeah. around yeah. here. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you descend on Kansas City a lot more frequently right, and, right. Uh, and take part in our musical life. Because it's going to be a great honor. Uh, when is the uh, big concert that Sir Andrew is going to be conducting? The concert is on March 6th. That's a Friday night, 8 o'clock in the Hillsburg Hall. Which, uh, I have to say, I'm really looking forward to performing in. It is an amazing place. Ricardo yeah. Muti loves it. Yeah. Is that right? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, yeah. Been, he's conducted yeah. in a couple I'm of times. I'm not surprised. I yeah, mean, so. the, the one time I was, well, I came, when you did the uh, the Macmillan piece. Oh, yeah, no, that, that was with the chorale. Yeah. Right. That's right. Yes, yeah. of course. Yeah. The, At the, the <coughs> AGO conference. Right. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's the only time I've been there. And it has fantastic organ, of course, as well. So oh, yeah. yes. The organ is one. As an ex-organist, that excites me. Oh, uh-huh. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the concert is Friday, March 6th, 8 o'clock, Hellsburg Hall and Kaufman Center for the Performing Arts. It will feature the William Baker Festival Singers, the William Jewell Concert Choir, under the direction of Dr. Anthony Maglione, Sarah Tannehill Anderson, 32-member uh, orchestra, made largely of members of the Kansas City Symphony, and our guest conductor is Sir Andrew Davis. And tickets are available at kaufmancenter.org, and Kaufman is spelled K-A-U-F-F-M-A-N. And you can also find information about this concert um, and referral for tickets from the Choral Foundation at festivalsingers.org or mail at festivalsingers.org. 
And it's just been a real delight this morning. I mean, I don't like getting up early on a Saturday, but this was worth it. Yeah, well, I think we feel the same way. Oh, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yes. Agreed. It was a real delight of meeting Sir Andrew Davis, the great conductor I've admired for decades, and his son, Edward Fraser Davis, who's making a mark as a choral composer, and, of course, my colleague, William Baker, of the William Baker Festival Singers. Choral Conversations comes to you from the Jane Sullivan Choral Resource Library at the William Baker Choral Foundation in Roland Park, Kansas. Although all rights are reserved to this program, we hope that you will freely share it with all of your music-loving friends, and we hope that you will visit us at www.festivalsingers.org.